0: Continuing our series called jesus changes everything and we're in our our third week of our series and uh, uh, this has been focused on the life and the teaching of jesus there's been never been a person to ever change um, anyone like there's never been anyone like jesus who have made such an impact on the world his very birth uh, was announced by the angels to a group of shepherds out in the field the Magi came from the east. He was born in an obscure stable outside of Bethlehem. It was prophesied by Jewish prophets, uh, over 50 prophecies. that were written uh, upwards to a thousand years before that. I mean, just his birth changed the calendar from B.C. to A.D. It truly changed everything. And so over the last several weeks, we've been looking at this. Here's the first point. When you know who Jesus is, you'll see who he's calling you to be. So if you're new to Stephen's Creek, you received a worship guide when you walked in the door. And in this worship guide, there is an outline for uh, for the teaching this morning. And so you can just follow along right with me and this will help you uh, stay connected to the message. Last week, we talked about how Jesus um, went to this, to a <clears throat> teaching venue right beside the lake and just the multitudes gathered and he he got out in a boat and he stood in a boat just so that people could see him over the crowds and he taught all day long and then he got in the boat and with his disciples and went across the lake and a huge storm came up and it was such a massive storm that that the the disciples thought that they were going to die in this storm and Jesus was asleep in the boat and they ran down and said don't you care that we're about to die and Jesus stood up and said three words. He said, "Peace be still," and everything was calm. Well, they made it to the other side of the lake, and so we pick up the story. They made it over to the other side of the lake, and they uh, they meet a woman. And this woman that they met had been sick for twelve years, and she had done everything that she knew to do to get better. In fact, she had spent all of her money on cures and for whatever reason, instead of getting better, she grew worse. We pick up the story in Matthew chapter 5, verse 24. It said, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was uh, there who had been the subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered there. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors She had spent all that she had, and yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, to really understand this story... I think you really uh, need to pull back the curtains and see what's going on in the culture of that day. First of all, you need to understand Jewish tradition. She was a Jewish woman, and in those days, women were not given the respect that they deserved. Women were considered secondary. But Jesus came on the scene, and Jesus changes everything. We see in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, Jesus said, There is therefore no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in what? Christ Jesus. So Jesus erases gender barriers. He said, everyone is equal. So if you ever see a religion that looks down on you because of your gender. It is not something from Jesus. And Jesus came on the scene and said, I am changing this culture and I am changing the system. And that's what Jesus did. Uh, This woman was sick. She had a bleeding disease uh, that had continued for 12 long years. And in those days, blood was a symbol of life and bleeding was a symbol of death. And they considered anybody that was bleeding to be a person that was unclean. And if you were considered to be unclean in those days, you were ostracized from the community. In fact, if you were unclean, and there was a number of reasons you would be considered unclean. But if you uh, fit that bill, you had to announce it to the community that you were unclean. So you would go uh, and announce and say, I am unclean, unclean. For instance, if you were to go to the market. You would announce that, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine what that would feel like? That this afternoon you had to go to Publix. You'd walk into Publix and as you walked through the door, you'd say, unclean, unclean. And before you know it, everybody in the produce aisle, they would separate and they would make a way. Can you imagine how that would make you feel? That's what this woman had to do. She, She would say, unclean, unclean. For 12 years, she battled this disease that caused her to be cut off from the world. For 12 long years, she suffered under the care of many doctors. Many of you have suffered a long time. You know what it means to suffer. Many of you come into this room and, and you know what it means to feel pain. This woman suffered. And you come to church and and you put on a smile and, and you do whatever you can to get here. And then by the time you get home, you do whatever you can just to get in bed because you have to recover from just being here. And so when I read this story to you about this woman who suffered for 12 long years, you relate to this woman because you understand her pain. And I don't know what it means to suffer like that, but many of you do. A couple of years ago, I did go through a season of of intense pain that, that it really affected me. Because, you know, pain does something to you. I'm telling you, pain makes you think crazy thoughts. It'll, pain will wake you up in the middle of the night. It will cause you to... Uh, Uh, to be confused it will cause you to uh, 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 like I said to just think erratic thoughts that you would never think before about two and a half years ago I just woke up with just an intense ear pain with ringing my ears and that pain eventually went down into my jaw It, it went into my face it went down into my chest and I did everything to try to find relief and I, I went to uh, doctor after doctor. And I'm telling you, we have great doctors in this church. And I, and I just knocked on their doors. And, and they took great care of me. And, and when they did what they could do, they would send me to a friend or so. And by uh, one after another, for about a year, I went to 11 doctors trying to figure out what was wrong. And, and it seems like every month, the, the intensity of the pain, instead of getting better, it was worse. And they just couldn't put their finger in. And finally, they're going to a specialist, and they finally figured out that maybe this could be a rare disease called Eagle Syndrome. So they went down that path, and and, um, and it was a very painful thing, and, and it got worse every time you do. I would speak. And so that was just, it was conflicting with that. And so I started to feel what many of you feel. And it started really to open up my heart to compassion. I'll never forget sitting in a, a specialist office downtown and he was coming to the church. But I was, I was at a place where I was, uh, you know, doing the MRI and that kind of stuff. And I was getting results that day. And I just remember sitting in that office all alone and just tears started just coming down my, my cheeks that day because I didn't know what I was going to get, but it didn't matter to me. Because I just felt like that today was the day I was getting answers. It didn't matter what, I I felt like I was at that point where it didn't matter what it was, I just needed somebody to tell me something. And then it says, well, no, we're going to send you to Emory, and then we're going to send you to pain management, and, and, you know, and so forth. And so we went down that path, and and it was a long road, and like I said, 11 physicians later, and, Eventually, a year and a half later, we did figure out what it was, and it was kind of interesting, and um, it's not rocket science. In the end, it was TMJ. It was two things, TMJ, and it was a root canal. And you'd think, man, those are simple things, but, you know, when those symptoms clouded the opinion of everything, and, uh, but yet it caused such an intensity with my work thing. And this is nothing I think about that. That is nothing compared to what so many of you face every day. There's nothing compared to what this woman was facing every day. Nothing. I think about people who suffer. This disease caused this woman to live in Seclusion. And she suffered physically, she suffered emotionally, she suffered financially. And verse 26 says, she suffered under a great deal of pain, under the care of many doctors, and she spent all that she had, and yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. She tried everything she knew to do. And she came to the point where she had done everything. She was desperate, and she needed help. Here's the point. Whenever you step out in faith, it's always a step toward healing. She is at the end of her rope and she knew she needed a power that was greater than herself. She needed the power of the Lord. So whenever you get to that place where you need a power that is greater than yourself, it is calling you to step out in faith. So whenever you step out in faith, it's always a step toward healing. God is calling some of you to take that step. And it may not be a physical step for you. It may not be a physical step toward healing, but God is calling you to take a step of faith, a step to trust him. A step to say, God, I am trusting you with this situation, with this condition, with this relationship, with this career choice I am trusting you I I am very uncomfortable here I am I'm in a lot of pain in this situation here I am uncomfortable but I am trusting you whenever you come to and you step out in faith it's a step toward healing verse 27 it says when she heard about Jesus she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought if I could only touch his clothes I will be healed now why did she think this Well, here's where we need to go a little bit deeper and understand the Jewish traditions, okay? Now, are you ready, as they used to say when I was in school, are you ready to put your thinking caps on? Sound like a second grade teacher, right? Are you ready to put your thinking caps on? In that tradition, most guys wore two garments. They would wear an undergarment and then they'd wear an outer garment. So uh, a Jewish man would wear an undergarment. Like it would be similar to a, a man's T-shirt that would extend below his knees halfway down to his ankles. Kind of similar to what Will wears, you know. <laughs> you know, you see that way down there? Now, I can't quite pull it off like Will. I, I was thinking like, where do you even buy that? I mean, I'm kind of in tune to men's clothes, you know. I'm kind of I understand that. I just don't even know where you buy that, really. I mean, that's a real sincere question. Now, don't go buy me one, though. But, but that's. But if you're gonna and maybe maybe Will is more spiritual than I am. I bet you get that is yes, yeah, spiritual clothing stores. That's what it is. No low country around here, just spiritual clothing stores, and so, so. It's called a tunic or a haluk, okay? And and they would wear it and it would go halfway down below the knees. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, they would wear it around the house. They would wear it working out in the fields, but they would never wear it to the synagogue or the temple. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, no, that's not about you at all. No, not at all. Never wear it with red shoes either. Not at all. No, not at all. I'm just kidding you. If I could pull off those red shoes, I would. I thought they were pretty cool. Then there's an outer garment called a a, a tallit. Um, It's a cloak. Now, the cloak was a long rectangular piece of uh, garment. It was made out of wool, and it would lie over the shoulder. It would stand below the knees, and you would fasten it with a belt. And this passage says... um, <clears throat> that, that this sick woman pressed through the crowd and touched Jesus' cloak or touched his tallit. Now, why would she do that? Now, this tallit, this rectangular piece of, of cloth had four corners. So what's up with the four corners? On each of the four corners, the rabbis would wear uh, tassels, four tassels. These four tassels were called the tzitzis. And that would remind them to follow the commands of the scriptures. In Numbers chapter 15, verses 38 and 39, we see these words. It says, speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments uh, with a blue cord on each tassel. And so you'll have these tassels to look at. And so you'll remember... All of the commands of the Lord that you may obey them. So when you see these tassels, you're to remember the commands of the Lord's. So Jesus, as a Jewish rabbi, would wear these tassels on the corners of his garments. And even today, many Jewish rabbis still um, wear these. These tassels are knotted five times. Why are they knotted five times? That is to remind the Jews of the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so uh, there are four spaces in between that, and that is to remind them of the the abbreviation of the name Yahweh. They couldn't say the name, uh, couldn't write the name Yahweh, which is the name, the holy name of God, Uh, but they would write the abbreviation, which is YH. W H And so those four spaces in between those four knots and those five knots would remind them of Yahweh's name. Okay, they have tassels, those strings that come from those tassels. There's 613 of those. What's up with that? Well, there's 613 laws they had to follow in the Torah. So you've got this outer garment with four corners and tassels hanging down. The Hebrew word for the corner is kanap. The kanap has several meanings. The word kanap was corner. But it is also used to describe wing. A bird has two wings. The plural version of wings would kanaphim. Now, so what's up with this vocabulary lesson? Okay, here it is. There's a prophecy of the coming Messiah in the Old Testament book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But for those of you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with what? Healing in its wings. Do you see where I'm going? The Messiah will come... And you will know that the Messiah will come because the Messiah will come and there will be healing in its wings or is canaph or canaphim healing in its ta- uh, tassels. So this woman said, if Jesus is really the Messiah, then he's going to have the power of healing in the tassels of his garment. So she is going to press through the crowd because she believes if he is really the Messiah, if she touches his tassels, then he will, she will find healing in those tassels. So that is why she is pressing through that crowd because she believes that if she touches those tassels that she will find healing. Pick it up, verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And this woman pressed. This woman pressed through the crowd she said i'm going to get through to the crowd i'm not going to let anybody keep me i'm not going to let the naysayers push me away i'm not going to let his bodyguards i'm not going to let any disciples i'm not going to let anybody i am going to get to jesus so many times we let the crowd keep us from getting to jesus We let other people keep us from getting to Jesus. We let people's opinions. um, We let people's uh, ideas. We let people's thoughts. uh, It could be a friend of ours. It could be a brother or sister. It could be a parent. It could be a teacher. It could be a politician. It could be a community leader. And they have all these ideas. It could be a professor at college. And they have all these ideas about Jesus. And we allowed their thoughts to be the crowd that keeps us from getting to Jesus. And we can learn from this story that there are times that we have to press through the crowd. We have to press through um, the philosophies of our professors. We have to press through uh, the ideas of our bosses. We have to press through uh, uh, the thoughts of our friends to get to Jesus. Here's the point. If you're always worried about what other people think. If you're always worried about what other people think. You will be distracted from your destiny. I'm telling you. If you're always worried about what other people think. You're going to be distracted from your destiny. In other words your purpose. What God has created you to be. What God has intended you to be. What God has called you to be. While you've been put on this earth. If you're always worried, oh, well, if I do this, what will they think about me? If you're always worried about that, you're not going to rise to the place where God's created you to be. So many times, those relationships keep us from being the people we've been called to be. Can you imagine what's going on in this woman's mind as she's pressing through? I mean... We read this and we think, oh, it's no big deal. She's just pressing through the crowd. But she is thinking about... She's thinking about her status as a woman. She's thinking about this disease that she's had, that she's literally supposed to be saying unclean, unclean, but she's being silent at this point. She's thinking about her pain that she's suffering with. She's thinking about this, her, her, her financial status. She's broke. I mean, all of this stuff is going on inside, but she said, I don't care about all of that. There's one thing I want to touch Jesus. There's one thing I want to reach out to him. There's one thing if I can just touch that tassel, If I can just touch that cloak, if I can just touch him and reach out and touch him, I know that he'll meet me right there. Here's the point. You're never too hurt to experience God's healing. You're never too flawed to experience God's forgiveness. And you're never too lost to experience God's love. You're never too hurt to experience God's healing. You're never too flawed to experience God's forgiveness. And you're never too lost to experience God's love. She pressed. She pressed through the crowd and she reached out to Jesus. And maybe that's what you need to do today. You need to press Through the crowd, you need to press through those thoughts that have been placed in your mind by other people. That's what this woman did. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had 17 creakers go to Israel, and one of them, uh, Stephanie Farrell, brought me a souvenir back, and it just happened to be a painting, a replica of a painting of this woman reaching out to touch Jesus's hem of the garment. I just thought that was kind of cool. And uh, Drew just told me that this is actually a Jewish uh, painting uh, done by a Christian artist. And as a a Jewish law, I didn't know this just a couple of seconds ago. In Jewish law, you can't paint somebody's face. And so this is done by Jewish law. Uh, You don't see a face, but you see feet and uh, fingers. Interesting. It's not going to change our opinion about this, but it's just interesting. Um, But she was reaching out to touch the hem of his garment there. And uh, they saw this uh, painting there at the Encounter Chapel at the uh, Magdala 1st, it's a uh, recreation of the Magdala 1st Century Synagogue. And the team said that was probably one of the most moving experiences of their trip uh, to Israel. And I thought it was kind of neat. And so no doubt for those of you that went on the trip, as you hear me uh, give this message, your mind is going back there. Um. So what happened when she reached out to Jesus? Verse 29, immediately, the Bible says, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. This verse tells us that she believed. She believed that he was the son of righteousness with healing in her wings and that healing in his wings. And when she touched him with faith, she was healed. It was her faith. But something interesting right there. I would imagine that she was thinking, okay, I'm going to touch him. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to turn around and I'm going to run. Okay, I'm going to get out of here. Because she's not used to being in the crowds. Think about this. For 12 years, she's unclean, unclean. Get, uh, you know, she has not been in the crowds. And so she's not this kind of person that she wants to be the center of attention. So in her mind, she's playing this out. I'm going to sneak and I'm going to touch him. I'm going to get what I need. I'm going to hightail it back home. But right then we see in verse 30, at once, Jesus realized virtue, that King James said it this way, power came out of him. And he turned around and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched your clothes? I mean, come on, Jesus, look around you. There are people everywhere around you. And you're looking at us and you're asking us the question, who touched your clothes? Well, it's kind of like that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of like that. Um, But Jesus kept looking around to see what he had done. (laughs) Then the woman, knowing what had happened, uh, to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. Now, this is kind of interesting to me. You know, sometimes you read scripture and uh, you just read it and it just kind of flows over. But then sometimes you read that same verse over and over and then something just kind of jumps out at you. Now, this is kind of interesting. This word, whole truth. Whole truth. Now, we read that, you know, it's no big deal. But let's just unpack whole truth for a minute. She told him the whole truth. In her world, for years, she had not told the whole truth. Because I would imagine in many situations where she was commanded to say unclean, 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 she probably wrapped up with some clothes and everything else and she probably didn't do that. She probably didn't tell the whole truth. She probably slipped into the market and slipped out. I would imagine that there are many times that she hid her secret. I would imagine that many times she lived a life of deception. And today, I mean, isn't it interesting that the Bible says she told the whole truth? To me, that would indicate that in the past she hadn't told the whole truth. And Jesus is highlighting this because he wanted her to be completely free. He knew that she needed to come clean. So many people go through life carrying a, sh- a load of shame and guilt, and they've convinced themselves, but because of their actions or because of their guilt or something, that they will never be accepted. But hear this: in Christ, you are free from your sins. And you are accepted as a son. You're accepted as a daughter. In Christ, you are adopted into his family. You are a part of the family. It doesn't matter what you've done. You're a part of the family. This afternoon, right after our noon service, there are 15 people who've who've prayed a very personal and private prayer. Jesus, save me. But this afternoon, they're going public. Through the waters of baptism. And they're saying. We're telling the whole truth. I have been saved. My sins have been washed away. And I am going through the waters of baptism. As a public announcement to this church. And this community. That I have been saved. And it's a time of rejoicing. Interesting. And uh, we see this concept in in james chapter 5 and verse 16 it says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective in this verse if you look at it closely this verse teaches us that forgiveness comes when we're honest before god but healing comes when we're honest with each other and so she was healed when she told the whole truth Verse uh, 33, told him the whole truth. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So very quickly, what do we get from this? There are four things. When you feel pressed by a problem, there are four uh, things that you can do. First thing from this story, I want you don't give up hope. Don't give up hope when you're stuck in the midst of a problem. Don't give up hope. When I look at this story, I see a woman that after 12 years, she kept on searching. She didn't give up hope. So we can learn that from her. There's a scripture in Matthew chapter 7 and 7. It says, ask and... Um, and it will be given, seek and you'll find, Knocking the door shall be open. If you were to look at that verse in the Greek language in which it was written, and you'd understand that the verb tenses and, and translate it, it actually would read like this. Ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. Which says that we should keep on praying. And I would say to you to keep on praying. To keep on pressing. To keep on hoping. Some of you feel like your back is against the wall. Some of you feel like. that. Oh am I ever going to get through this situation? Is it ever going to change? I'm saying to you. Don't give up hope today. I'm saying to you. Yes you may have been suffering. For month after month after month. Yes this pain may be great. Yes it may be a year after another year. Don't give up today. Don't give up today. But press through this painful season. Press through the crowd. And do something about it. Here's the second thing. I want you to be proactive and look for a solution. Be proactive. I want you to look at what you've been doing. And if that's not working, let's do something different. The Bible says that this woman... Went to doctor after doctor. She kept searching. She kept working. She looked at what she had and she used what she had to try to figure it out. I want you to use what you have to try to figure it out. Be proactive and look for a solution. Okay? Here's the third thing. Don't allow other people to keep you from doing what you need to do. Don't allow the other people around you to keep you from doing what you need to do. Don't let them become a barrier to you. And here's the fourth and final one. I want you to move from thinking God can do something To God will do something. Move from thinking, yes, God can do that, to God will do something. I believe that God wants to do something in your life. I don't think this is just another day at the creek. That this is just another service. But today is an opportunity for your life to be different. Today is another op- is an opportunity for your heart to be softened. Today is an opportunity for that barrier to be broken. Today is an opportunity for that relationship to be healed. Today is an opportunity for that sickness to me be to uh, to be healed. Today is the day that we're going to call on the name of the Lord. We're going to cry out to him. And you said, Marty, I did that last week. Yes, and we're going to do it again today. Because we're going to ask and we're going to keep on asking. And we're going to seek and we're going to keep on seeking. And we're going to knock and we're going to keep on knocking. And we're going to press through the crowd. We're going to press through the doubt. And we're going to believe that there's healing in his wings. We're going to believe that the sun of righteousness is going to rise with healing in his wings. And we're going to believe that the power that was present that day is still present today. And we believe that we're going to be recipients of his glory and recipients of his power. And we're going to receive that today. So what do you need in your life? And what do you need God to do? And what do you want God to do? And I'm not talking about the person down the aisle from you. The person, I'm talking about you. What do you need God to do in your life? Let's stand together. This is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. I want to pray over you. And I just want you to get to a place where you're ready to reach out. From the back to the front and from the front to the back, you say, God, move, move in my life in the name of Jesus. Some of you need a breakthrough because you have been battling the devil all week long. I'm telling you, and you've been losing. And today is the day that you need a power that is greater than yourself to break the chains. I'm telling you, the chains that are pulling you backwards. And the reason, hear this, and this could be a word of the Lord for you. And the reason that you are taking steps backwards is simply this. You're doing it on your own. And the Lord would say to you is if you continue to do it on your own without reaching out to Him and reaching out to other people, you're going to continue losing ground instead of gaining ground. But the moment you reach up to him will be the moment that your breakthrough starts. The moment that you reach up to him will be the moment that light comes and shines in your darkness. But you will continue to fall backwards until you cry out to say, I need help. So now's your opportunity. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we've heard your word. And I pray for this congregation. I pray for those watching online. I pray in the name of Jesus, move in this room. God, for those that have never been saved, let them cry out today. Say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. For those, God, that are battling the enemy and they're losing, they're losing ground every day. I pray in the name of Jesus, that the weapons that they're wrestling with and warring with, that those weapons and would be broken. The weapons of the enemy would be broken and the power of the Almighty would be present over you. And in the name of Jesus, that the power of Jesus Christ would come and uh, would give you freedom from the inside out that those negative voices of guilt and shame, those negative things that your uh, the important people in your life have spoken over you would be silenced and that you would hear the voice of the Lord that says to you, rise up. That you would hear the voice of the Lord that says, rise up and be the person, the man, the woman that I've called you to be. Father, I pray right now that you would release the power of the Holy Spirit on people. And here's what I want you to say. I receive all that you have for me. Just say that. God, I receive all that you have for me today. God, that's our prayer, that we receive your strength and we receive your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him praise today. Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord. We worship the name. Give him praise. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah amen well thanks so much for being here I want you to hear the word of the Lord and I'm telling you don't push him away when God prompts you do not push him away some of you are so antsy right now wanting to get out of this building but you're in the middle of an aisle and it would be awkward for you to get out. Seriously. It would be so awkward and, and I might be delaying this service so your awkwardness would overcome you. And I want you to feel that awkwardness so that you would know that God has his eye on you. And that this is not a game. And this, this is not a stage show. But God has been using this service to tap you on the shoulder. And to speak into your, uh, your heart. And to speak into your life. And this is a confirmation that he is speaking clearly to you. That this awkward feeling that you have. That is his voice calling you to repentance. And calling you to faith. He's calling you now. And so your next step is to surrender. And say God I'm not going to fight against you anymore. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight against you. But today I'm going to surrender. And when uh, when you do that. The, that awkwardness is going to surrender. Uh, and you're, that's going to turn to peace and joy. And you're going to find his strength. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Amen. Thanks for listening.